This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And there was another way in which he was prepared to fulfill his high calling of saving the Jewish people. And it says in verse 2, he hath made me a polished shaft, a polished shaft, and his quiver hath he hid me. A shaft is like a metal, like for example, a metal spear, anything that's metal, like a rod. And the problem with metal is that it rusts. That's the problem with metal. And the only way to get that rust off and to make it nice again is to rub it with, an, with some abrasive material like sand on a cloth, rubbing it there. They can make sand, paper, whatever. And as that sand is rubbed over the rusty spear, the rust comes off, the spear becomes beautiful, it becomes shiny, and it's called, in verse 2, a polished spear, a shaft, a polished shaft. And the Lord Jesus said that he was like that polished shaft. He hath made me a polished shaft. In other words, he was rubbed with abrasive sand, and it was the abrasive troubles that he had in his life that made him to be the polished shaft. Those abrasive troubles prepared him to fulfill his calling to save the Jewish people from their sins. It's the same way that God polishes us. The same way with what? With abrasive troubles. And we think, what's going on here? Why am I having all these troubles in my life? And God says, your metal's rusty. Your metal's rusty with sin. You've been, your metal's rusty with neglect, with laziness. I need to rub it with these abrasive troubles so you can become a polished shaft. And so God takes one grain of an abrasive sand, like a certain abrasive person or a certain abrasive problem or a certain abrasive health condition, and God takes that abrasive person or problem and, and like a grain of sand, rubs it on us, rubs it on us till the rust disappears. And we cry out, hey, what are you doing, God? This abrasive rubbing is hurting. And God says, I know, and I'm sorry, but your life is rusty and we need to do this. So he says that in verse two, he hath made me a polished shaft 
When we experience these abrasive troubles, these temptations, we think it's strange, strange, what's going on? And James says in James 1-2, James 1-2, about the abrasive sands, abrasive rubbing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We're told to be joyful, be happy about it when we experience these abrasive troubles because our rusty metal metal is getting polished and we're going to be a beautiful, shiny uh, patience. We're going to have beautiful, shiny patience. So the Lord Jesus was prepared with these abrasive troubles as it says about him in Hebrews 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. His sufferings made him a polished shaft. Then the Lord Jesus reports in verse 3, he's giving us another name besides Jesus in verse 3. It's very surprising. And God gave him this name also in verse 3. He said unto me, Thou art my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. His name is Israel. You might say, Israel? I thought that that was the name of the Jewish people. How could the Lord Jesus be named Israel? Well, His title is the king of the Jews, and he's also associated with the Jews, with the Jewish people, that he represents the Jewish people, just like in the Olympics, when we have an athlete who's competing in a sport, let's say, you know, the USA is swimming, freestyle swimming, whatever it is, and they say, and the USA won. Well, all the USA wasn't in the pool at that time. There was just one person but he represents the USA. So he's called, the USA wins, and he stands up there, the USA gets the prize. And that's the same for the Lord Jesus. He represents Israel, so he's called Israel. He represents Israel in fulfilling God's purpose for Israel. He represents Israel by doing what God called Israel to do, bring the knowledge of God to the rest of the world. He does that, and so he's called Israel. After all, the word Israel means Prince of God, and a prince is the son of a king, and God is the great king, and the Lord Jesus is the son, he's the prince, so he's Israel. So not only is the name of the Lord Jesus called Israel, but God said he would be glorified in the Lord Jesus, just as the Lord said in John 13, 31, John 13, 31, now is the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. So this was his mission. His mission was save his Jewish people from their sins. That's what he thought of every day. He was called and sent by God. He was called and sent to earth by God, the Father. God the Father sent him to earth with this mission, son, I want you to save the Jewish people from their sins. Save my people from their sins. Single focus, save my Jewish people from their sins. He gets to earth. And he says in, in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24, he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he spoke of being sent, he meant he was sent by God the Father. And we can only imagine what that scene must have looked like in heaven, where God the Father says to him, son, you will be born a Jew. And I'm sending you to earth to save the Jewish people, which will be your people from their sins. And the Lord comes to earth with these words in his heart when he says in um, John 8:29, John 8:29, he that sent me is with me. 
The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. The Lord was constantly thinking in his life, how can I please the Father? Will this please the Father? I will do this if it pleases the Father. I won't do that if it doesn't please the Father. My whole life is to please the Father. He wants me to save the, the Jewish people from their sins. That's my whole life. And the Lord is thinking how wonderful it would be. Oh, it'd be so wonderful if I can just go home to heaven and just say, mission accomplished. Saving the Jewish people from their sins, done. And the Lord longed to be able to look at at, at God and say, just like you wanted, Father, I have saved the Jewish people from their sins. And they rejoiced together. And so what was the results? What was the results of his coming to save the Jewish people from their sins? His results was the verse I mentioned a little bit ago, John 1.11. John 1.11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to save the Jewish people from their sins, and the Jewish people did not receive him. The Jewish people rejected him. The Jewish people said, no, thank you. The Jewish people said, we want nothing to do with him. The Jewish people said, we'd be better off if he never came. The Jewish people says, we don't want to be saved from our sins. Thank you very much. And the Lord Jesus tried and tried and tried to save his Jewish people from their sins. And the Lord Jesus stretched out his arms all day long to the Jewish people, as it says in Romans 10.21, Romans 10.21. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched out my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. As it says in Isaiah 65.2, Isaiah 65.2, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. And the Jewish people plead, and the Lord Jesus pleaded with the Jewish people to let him save them from their sins when he said things like Matthew 11, 28. Matthew 11, 28, speaking to the Jewish people, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. When John 7, 37, John 7, 37, when it says in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, he's standing in the temple, and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And the Jewish people didn't come. They didn't come to rest, for rest. They didn't come because they were thirsty. And, they, and it frustrated him. It frustrated him to no end as he stood over Jerusalem, saw the Jewish people lost, saw them being cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And with a broken heart, he cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often? would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Those were the words that pained him so much. Ye would not. It pained the Lord Jesus in his heart when he said those words. And even though that, still the Jewish people didn't come to be saved. His life work, his whole purpose while he was here, was stated in Isaiah 49.5, our chapter, verse 5. He says, I was formed from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. That was was why I was created in the womb, to bring Jacob again to him. Bring him back. It says in in, uh, verse 6, verse 6 of our chapter, verse 6, formed to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Israel. 
Verse one again, called from the womb with a calling reflected in his name. Jesus is gonna save the Jewish people, his people, from their sins. Life work, be God's servant, bring Jacob back, gather Israel back to him. And every time he heard his name, every time he heard his name, Jesus, he heard his name, Jesus, it reminded him, Jesus, oh yes, that's my name. My name is Jesus because my name is Jesus because I am to save my own Jewish people from their sins. He would think, to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. My life work is to save my Jewish people from their sins. The great, it's a, it's, it's, it, and it's a great understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over this. It's an understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over not being able to fulfill his calling, his life work of saving his Jewish people from their sins. And as the Lord Jesus looked back on his life, of all that he did, and he's looking back on it and trying to save the Jewish people from their sins, all he saw was failure. I have failed. And he gives these heart-wrenching cries out in verse 4, heart-wrenching words. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain says twice in that statement, the Lord Jesus uses the word vain. He looked at all of his work to save the Jewish people from their sins. And are the, are the Jewish people now saying we are, we, don't call us, Jesus, Jewish people call us Jesus people because we're all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that what's happened? Not at all. He knew that. He saw that. Same today, same as it was then. He looks back and he said, vanity, emptiness. I just wasted my time. Verse 4, I have labored in vain. I've wasted my time. I've wasted my work in trying to save the Jewish people from their sins. He was so discouraged. He looked at his strength that he used to try. He, he used all of his strength up to try to save the Jewish people from their sins. And he says in verse 4, I spent my strength for nothing. In other words, he said, I've spent my strength for emptiness. Zero. I have nothing to show we're trying to save all the Jewish people from their sins. You ever felt like that? Maybe not trying to save the Jewish people from their sins, but you ever felt so discouraged? So discouraged like that? You ever felt like all of your efforts and strength has yielded nothing? He did. That's how he felt. That's one of the ways in which he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's how we should come to him. We have, we have a high priest who's been touched with the feeling of discouragement, extreme discouragement, because he knew, he knew Verse 6, his purpose in life, the Lord formed me from the womb to be a servant to bring Jacob again to him. He knew that he failed to bring Jacob back to God, and the feeling of failure was crushing, was crushing with him. He had the same failure that Isaiah expressed. Isaiah expressed the same failure in the 53rd chapter, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Isaiah 53, 1 is, a, is, is really a statement of failure. Who has believed our report? There's no one who believes this account of the suffering servants of the Lord Jesus for man's service is for man's sins. That's what he's saying. He said, nobody believes this. I've got it all so clear here. I've told it to them, but they don't believe it. And so Isaiah starts around, and he starts off the 53rd, Isaiah 53 with the word, who? Who already? Who? Where are they? Who has believed this report? And the Lord Jesus is so discouraged with the results of the outcome 
of, of his life work to bring the Jewish people back to God. In the same way that Elijah was discouraged, the prophet Elijah, with his life work, he said in 1 Kings 19.4, 1 Kings 19.4, Elijah, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm not better than my father's. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord. Verse 10, First uh, Kings 19.10, 1 Kings 19.10. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So here we see Elijah. He started off his life's work also with the determination to bring Israel, the Jewish people, back to God. He knew that his fathers had tried and failed, and now he's come to a point where he says, I'm not better than my fathers. In other words, I got the same score, zero. He failed. He was, uh, Elijah was 100% dedicated to throw himself into his life work of gathering Israel back to God. But he reached this point in his life when he looked at the results of his work, his life work, and he saw nothing. And his whole life was spent on regathering Israel, and he was a failure, and he said, he could have said the same words of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 49.4, verse 4, Isaiah 49.4. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. All my life work has yielded nothing. I have spent all my strength for nothing. I have emptiness to show for all my life work. And Elijah was so discouraged, he wanted to die. And he said, Lord, just let me die. I can't stand this discouragement, the crushing, depressing feeling. I just want to leave the world. I'll run away back to the world. I've, I failed. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm a discouraged failure. And that's how the Lord Jesus felt when he said these words of uh, verse 4. Verse 4, I wasted all my time and my strength for nothing. I felt like that. I felt like that before. My life work is also to restore Israel to God. My life work is to see an Israel restoration. But I felt just discouraged in verse 4. Just to discourage. And it's, you know the most discouraging thing that happens to me? When somebody comes up to me and says, how many people were saved from your mailing? How many people were saved from your mailing? How many people were saved from your work? What were the results of your work? You know, we've just, we're, as Ken said, about 4.4 million is our goal. And so far we've gotten a million of the testimony books out there changed, sent to the Jewish people. And the results are one. One Jewish woman saved. She was in her 90s. Glad she got saved before she died or else we wouldn't have one. All the work of writing and publishing and stuffing envelopes and mailing one million books and one person is saved. And we have not even confirmed her salvation because I don't want to find out because we might lose the one that we only got. And anyone who's worked in Jewish work, outreach, has felt the discouragement of verse 4. Because discouragement is sad, and discouragement is dark, and discouragement is depressing. And the question is, so what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when your life work has yielded nothing, when it has not yielded what you expected? What do you do when you look back on your goals and your results and you see failure? That's where the Lord was 
in verse 4 in Isaiah 49. Really, Isaiah 49, first part. That's where he was. And now we have the opportunity to see what he did when he felt as a result that he had failed and wasted his life. Now we can learn from him, and it's the last part of verse 4 that shows us what he did when he said, the last part of verse 4, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work is with my God. So how does the Lord rise up out of the depths of discouragement? How does he gut above the feeling of a crushing failure? It's all tied up in two words in verse 4, judgment and work, judgment and work. First judgment. In the first part of, verse, of that part in verse 4, the Lord said, first part of verse 4, he says, I've labored in vain, I've spent my strength for naught and in vain. There's one word that the Lord uses as saying here, judgment. He's looking back over his life work, his life work to rescue the Jewish people from their sins, and he's judging, he is judging his work. He is judging his work as a failure. That's what he's doing. The Lord said was that, uh, in the first part of verse 4, he says, nothing, nothing, nothing. He said, that's a self-judgment. That's a self-judgment. His own judgment of his own work was failure. That leads to discouragement. The Lord was doing there is judging himself uh, over his, the results of his work to, to, to save the Jewish people. And he could say, my judgment for my results is a failure. But when you and I get discouraged over lack of results from our work, we're in essence saying, my judgment from my results is with me. That's what he was saying in the first part. My judgment, zero, from my work is with me. I made it. That's the problem. That's the first problem that needs to be corrected to rise out of discouragement. This is where we see the Lord correcting his course to rise out of discouragement with one word, and it's the word surely. Surely. Full stop now. Surely. He's saying, no more. Enough. Stop. Surely. This is the same as when the Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's overwhelmed with the desire to have that cup removed from me. Don't make me drink that cup. I don't want to drink that cup. And he comes to the place where he says one word, which was the full stop enough when he says uh, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, uh, saying, Father, if there be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, full stop, enough. Not my will, but thine be done. That's the word. Nevertheless, he says, that's enough of those feelings. No more. That's it. And in the same way, in verse 4, the word surely is like nevertheless. Surely. Here he's confronting his own self-judgment of his own life work, and he's saying, halt. That's enough of my own judgments, of my own personal failure. The Lord halts his own personal discouragement with the statement, Surely my judgment is with the Lord. My judgment is not with me. My judgment is with the Lord. With those work, the Lord Jesus is saying, the judgment of my life work is not with me. I'm going to stop all this self-evaluation. I'm going to stop all this self-judgment of the results of my life work. And I'm going to leave my judgment with the Lord. My judgment of success or failure is with the Lord, not with me. So that's the first key to rising out of the depths of discouragement from a self-evaluation and a self-judgment. It's simply to be, simply be faithful to the Lord, work faithfully, leave the evaluation for your work up to God. That's what he's doing. That's the way to rise out of the discouragement is to say the words of verse four. Surely my judgment 
is with the Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.